Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I say this calls for action, and now, nip it in the bud. Well, what I do is uh, I look a woman up and down, and I say, Hey, how you doing? And I hope you're doing well, everybody. This is Jim McCarron's back with another edition of The Good, The Bad, and The TV on the Believe Podcast Network, which is the number one podcast network for professionals. Hey, look for us. Subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting platform. Check us out on Believe.com, too, where you can also find information on advertising on this or any of its many podcasts. Now, let's believe in the good, the bad, and the TV. The year is 1973. The year we lose a vice president, Spiro Agnew, who resigns office in a kickback-related tax scandal, and continue on the path to losing a president, Richard Nixon, who will be toppled by Watergate in a year. But not before the famous Nixon, I am not a crook speech, which comes in November of this year. Delivered at Walt Disney World, by the way. In 1973, Pink Floyd's seminal concept album, Dark Side of the Moon, is released. It'll hit the Billboard charts and stay there for 741 weeks until 1988. And it'll eventually sell more than 45 million copies worldwide. On the singles front, one of the biggest of the year, in fact, is Bad Bad Leroy Brown by South Philly native Jim Croce, who hits number one with the song in July and then, on the verge of recording greatness, is killed in a plane crash just two months later. He's 30 years old. After his death, Croce's poignant and now eerie song about mortality called Time in a Bottle becomes his second and only other number one hit. In other news, Skylab is launched in 1973, Secretariat wins the Triple Crown, Billie Jean King aces Bobby Riggs in the Battle of the Sexes, the Dolphins win over the Redskins at the Super Bowl and complete their perfect season in a perfect way, and Mark Felt retires from the FBI. Of course, in 1973, Mark Felt is better known to a handful of people only at the Washington Post by a different name, that of Deep Throat. The march of change, of social change, continues in 1973, a year that begins in January with Roe v. Wade and ends in December with the American Psychiatric Association removing the diagnosis of homosexuality from its list of diseases or mental illnesses. It's a year, it's a time, when everything continues to be questioned and debated from without and within. Journeys of discovery writes Bruce J. Shulman, in the 70s, the great shift in the American culture, society, and politics. Personal odysseys, like the one that's explored in a 90-minute PBS movie in May of 1973, called Steam Bath. The one where religion is questioned, and God is a Puerto Rican cowboy with a wicked sense of humor. Steam Bath is adapted from a satirical Bruce J. Friedman play, that scandalizes even New York City when it opens off-Broadway three years ago, at a time when questioning of life is at its navel-gazing height, a time when the importance of individuality is escalating and spirituality 
is in a state of flux. It's only four years removed from a 1966 Time magazine cover story that asks, is God dead? Where have you gone, Joe DiMaggio? Friedman, a Jewish-born former magazine editor, addresses the changing tide with this, his second play. Steambath tells the oft-comical story of a disparate group of people of varying ages and shapes and walks and talks, though each very much recently deceased, awaiting word of their afterlife fate in a steam bath that doubles as a celestial way station. As the story begins, they're joined by a confused 30-something newcomer named Tandy, who's still trying to figure out what the rest have already accepted, which is where they are and why. Gradually, he joins the rest, not just in acceptance of his fate, but also in their search for answers while they wait, which come as much from looking within as above, specifically answer to the question, what's the point? And while we're at it, why everything? A shared conclusion, at the very least, God has a whole hell of a lot of explaining to do. God the towel boy, that is. Steambath's arch approach to and commentaries on religion and mortality and purpose, not to mention its language and its leading lady nudity and its two campy, effeminate gay male characters who refer to themselves as the fabulous fags of the steam bath, finds it in scalding hot water almost from the start of its stage run. It lasts but a few months, but it registers as it taps into the climate of the country. To the shock and maybe horror of some, it comes to TV three years later. Public TV, that is. PBS. It's announced as part of a project called Hollywood Television Theater, a stage-to-screen anthology series produced by PBS's Los Angeles affiliate, KCET. Primetime-friendly Bill Bixby, most recently the star of My Favorite Martian, and the courtship of Eddie's father, is cast as Tandy. His co-stars include familiar character actors of the day, like Herb Edelman and Kenneth Mars, as well as a incredibly curvaceous rising star, Valerie Perrine, a year after her film debut in 1972's Slaughterhouse-Five, and a year away from an Oscar nomination as Best Actress for the Dustin Hoffman drama, Lenny. Jose Perez co-stars as God, it seems. Just like the stage play, the TV version of Steam Bath features each of its characters sitting around a large tiled room, draped in towels only, or in the case of new arrival Tandy, at first, draped in white briefs and a barely covering dress shirt. Author Friedman's colorful stage language is toned down for TV, but PBS's steam bath is still plenty full of jabs at religion and debates about the nature of existence. Perrine's character is still fairly nude from the waist up, or as close to that as has ever been seen in prime time. The occasional male bare ass is still on display as the cast weaves its way through discussions on and off those tiled seats. And the fabulous fags, they still camp their way through a huggy-kissy, line-kicking rendition 
of the striptease classic, Let Me Entertain You. Airing on ABC this May night, The Partridge Family. So it's all there for PBS viewers to see, or at least for the few who get a chance to see it. From the outset of the announcement of the play's TV adaptation coming to PBS, Steambath draws braze of protest over its content, from parties apoplectic that such a project is to air on the same network as Sesame Street. Loud and long and heard complaints. So much so that come show night, just 24 of PBS's affiliated stations air it. 24. But broadcast steam bath is. And the until now 1970s baby-stepping child that's television takes one more sizable leap into adulthood. More controversy is weathered. More taboos are smashed. Like many projects since the arrival of All in the Family two years ago, Steam Bath encourages, if not forces TV, to grow up, to grow more real, to reflect what real people are really thinking, doing, saying, feeling. Steam Bath helps to singe the smoldering edges of expectations when it comes to what should and could air on TV. As MASH and Maud have done since they themselves came to air beginning at the start of this 1972-73 TV season, and as more scripted shows are doing in general, and will continue to do, Steambath brings to TV the idea of ideas. The idea that scripted TV, designed as time-passing entertainment, can also be about things. It can talk to and with us. It can relate to what we're relating to. And it could tell us, reflect for us, what we're thinking about. Like Tandy's existential confusion, itself permeating the decade. What is life about? What's God about? Does God, in fact, even exist? And if not, what's the point? As the Boston Herald's Anthony LaCamera writes in his 1973 review, even after the censors got done with the script, Steam Bath still is a big step for TV to take. It questions every belief you ever held. End quote. The total number of people who actually watched Steam Bath on PBS in May of 1973 could likely fit inside the average pro sports stadium with seats to spare. But still, it airs. In 1973, it airs. Both Friedman and Steambath speak to a questioning nation at a time when the questions are many. Each is nominated for a 1973 Emmy, too. And now, in fairness, it should be pointed out that as the story goes, Friedman says he writes the play after a bad experience with Chinese food that finds him contemplating mortality. As for the not-so-fun fact that much of the project's comedy pivots on what's considered a comical notion that God could actually be a minority... Well, some social progress is still being made in baby steps in the 1970s. Trivia note, one of the executive producers of Steam Bath in 1973 is Norman Lloyd. He'll become well-known a decade from now as Dr. Daniel Auschlander on St. Elsewhere. You gotta believe. Well, that was really unusual. What's that? That girl coming in and taking a shower that way. Ah. We got everything today. 
the headline historical news is being made. Extra, extra, they're drawing a red line around the biggest scoop of the decade. A barrel of charm, a fabulous thrill, the biggest little headline in Bonneville. Presenting, in person, those fabulous fags of the steam bath. <laughs> Some old and then some new tricks I'm very versatile And if you're real good I'll make you feel good I want your spirits to climb So let me entertain you And we'll have a real good time Yes, sir! We'll Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.